appreciative uh, just of each and every one of you. And it's not even just like, I'm appreciative of each and every one of you. The Father is fond of you. Do you know that? The Father is fond of you. And he loves you. And he cares for you. Just the profundity of that, that the Father loves you. And not, you know, sometimes it's easy to just kind of... um, loosely throw around church jargon that he loves us. And so that's why I want to use the term that the Father is fond of you. It's not just that he kind of is obliged to love you, because sometimes we feel like we're obliged to love those around us, right? I many of you ever felt that? <laughs> but he's fond of you. He actually enjoys you. As the Revelation 4.11 says that everything was created to bring pleasure to him out of his pleasure to bring him pleasure. That's incredible. Oh, wow, it's just so good. <sighs> you know, I, the Lord's just had me, and he's just, in the last few weeks, he's just had me in this, in this interesting place of, you know, the love of God. That's a good place to be. <laughs> But I'm, I'm just, I'm looking at scripture. And, you know, have you ever been in a season when you're reading scripture or you're looking at things or you're thinking about things and you're going, I've just never seen it that way before. I just haven't seen that, that, that depth or that level or that layer of scripture or that, con- or that idea or, or whatever. That's just where I feel like I'm at in this season is I just haven't seen, oh God, I haven't seen that before. And as I've been reading and I've been contemplating things, I'm just going, hi, I hadn't noticed it that way before. And it's, it's like this, this brooding of the love of God. And, and I don't, and I, you know, I'm, I'm been, like, I, like Andrew said, I've been gone for three weeks. And um, I, don't, I think my wife has been gone for three weeks because one, Fiona was, it's like, oh, there was a hurricane while I was gone. <laughs> um, so, you know, the, there wasn't any church that day um, <laughs> in the formal sense of a gathering <laughs> because he's called you his bride, so that didn't change just because you couldn't come. doesn't adjust how he sees you. But then, you know, sickness rolls through the home like... Um, and sometimes it seems like when I go, there's like the ten plagues hits the house. <laughs> anyway... Um, so, 
Yeah, I've just been in this place where the Father's just been showing me things about his love and about his tenderness and about his fondness. And, and it, it, you know, it so strikes me, just going back to things that I've said in the past, um, you know, we talked about earlier this year how fear and joy are the, are the two uh, most powerful motivators. They're, they're brain fuel for your life. And, and I've just been looking at this and seeing just how the depth to which we allow fear to be the prime motivator of our life. And it's like not all of us would say, like, I'm not presently afraid of something. So I wouldn't say that I'm in fear because I'm not afraid, right? You know, you'd say, well, I'm afraid because I'm in fear. But I'm saying how, how permeated it's been in our culture and in our lives. I was um, sitting in the Kelowna airport waiting for my flight um, just a couple days ago. And uh, all the flights were full. And I'm, I'm going to talk about a bag check story, like Tracy shared a bag check story with us. <laughs> I don't know if she would have been successful in this particular place, but I had already checked my carry-on bag, so <laughs> anyway. <laughs> the father's fond of you, Tracy. Yeah, I'm fond of you, Tracy. <laughs> so the, ba- the, the flight's full, right? You know when the flight's full, they, they, the plea goes out um, before, like if anybody can check their carry-on bag, uh, the flight's full, so there's not going to be enough room in the overhead compartment, and you know, it seems like every time, every couple of years, they change the size of the overhead compartment, make it smaller and smaller. And so, yeah, they do that. Or they put inserts in there maybe to make it smaller, just to play with you and mess with you. I don't know. I don't think they do that, though. And and so they even said the overhead compartment is smaller than you're used to, so your bag probably won't fit. So please check your bag. Okay. And so, that you know, that, that announcement goes out a few different times, and... Maybe 1% of the people there listen to it. Um, and then finally, the, the, the lady that was working at the desk, she says, um, you know, we're, we're, the flight's full. If you have a check bag, you can bring it in. Please bring it in. If you don't bring it in, uh, I, we're probably going to have to sit on the runway, and we're going to have to pull the bags out, and it's going to take long, and we're going to be late. And and I realized in the moment, just as I'm, I've been thinking about this, the love of God and and the tenderness of the Father and how He reveals Himself and and all these kind of things, I realized, oh, that she's using fear to motivate us. And if if you don't, this will happen. And and it struck me by how commonplace that is. And I don't even think it's wrong for the flight attendant to do that. But what struck me is that we do that in the church. And I'm like, wow, are we, sometimes are we no better than Air Canada? (laughs) If you don't tithe, God won't bless you. And we pick that up culturally. If you don't, this will happen. And so we use fear to manipulate the outcome. And I'm not saying that I'm afraid. What I'm saying is that fear has now permeated my culture. And fear is my motivator. And see, the the initial plea of the flight attendant 
was based on compassion. But you know how quickly we move past the revelation of compassion to use fear when compassion doesn't work? We do it really quick. I even see myself, coming back from BC, I even see myself doing it with my kids. How easy it is to do with my kids. It's like, well, if you don't listen to me, this will happen. I'm like, oh, that I'm using fear to gain a desired outcome. It's like, oh, God, I, I thought, but, but I'm the, I, like, you've revealed your love to me, and I'm doing this too. It's not like a, a fear is present before me, but I'm, I'm recognizing that there's this depth to our culture that relies on fear to bring motivation. You know, how many have ever been f- afraid of failing a class? I don't know, like the, the whole entire school system used fear to motivate you or not turning in your homework assignment or, you know, if, if there, is, I'm, there is the joy of achievement and success that does happen in, in um, the school system growing up, but that's like 5% of it. 95% of it is I'm going to miss out. I'm going to miss something. Or how many of you hear a statement like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, and you go, oh. We don't look at that as an invitation. We look at that as a condemnation because the enemy plays in fear and traffics in fear on your life that you're never going to live up to the ideal that that sets out. But it's not a condemnation. It's an invitation. It's not, I have to do this. I have to love the Lord your God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, I get to. It's an invitation that I get to work out throughout my entire life because he reveals his goodness to me and he attracts me to him. And so I see something of his heart and I go, oh, I want that. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a season that we're entering into. I don't even want to call it a season because the season, the implication of a season is it could last, like the way that we kind of throw away that or throw out that type of terminology is it's a, it's like a season can last like three hours. I'm in a season of prayer this morning. But we use that kind of terminology all the time. So I don't even want to use that as a term to talk about what the father is doing, but I'm noticing it as I'm talking to different people in different locations that the father is visiting and he's inviting us to affection. And where, where previous um, eras of the church, even even just just you know, I'd say in just in the last couple of years, where we've largely seen ourselves in terms of how we align with each other, or how we agree with each other, or do we have an assignment together, right? And so we band around the assignment, we band around the shared value, we band around um, uh, the 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 theological um, you know construct that we've all agreed on. But affection is greater than all of those. Because once you have no assignment, once you finish the assignment, what do you have? Well, hopefully you have affection. But the assignment doesn't teach you affection. And if we're aligned by shared values, what happens when someone messes up? Are you out because you're not part of the group anymore? Because you all of a sudden you don't, have, you don't share the same value? Or if we have affection, I can walk with you regardless of the, what you're aligned with. 
to the Father's doing something right now, and he's inviting us into something. And it, it is, we're entering, I, I would, I'll say it this way, we're entering into an era of the Father's affection that will transcend the assignment you have in your life, the people that you align with, and whether you're in theological or doctrinal agreement with others. It, it, used to be, it used to be that what defined you was the denomination that you belonged to, or if you were in a non-denominational, then you're a cult. So, you know, that defines you. But it, it, was what, it was what you agreed with. That brings definition to you. But that's been shifting, and that, that, those edifices have been crumbling. That we no longer really think of ourselves in terms of how we agree theologically, but I think of myself in relation to how affectionate I am towards you. There's something, the Lord's doing something. We're entering into the era, the era of his affection. And, and, you know, one of the things that we want to do when we're in the midst of affection is figuring out how this is all going to work. <laughs> how is this going to work? How, what structure are we going to do? I remember we were, I was talking with a friend about this and he said, um, well, but how do you maintain that? And it's like, and I said to him, if we're in the era of affection, like I, how many of you, how many of you are married? Or have been in a relationship before? <laughs> how many of you ever had a first kiss? Let's just say that, okay? How many of you ever had a first kiss? Yes, okay. I think pretty much everybody here is going to say yes. Pretty much. Um, I remember, I remember, how many of you, I mean, to me, the first kiss that Aaron and I shared was, is like marked on my memory. Like I'll never forget that moment. Never, ever, ever forget that moment. It was, it was a good moment. <laughs> in, in, in the moment of the first kiss, you don't plan a wedding. In the moment of the first kiss, you're not thinking, how do I sustain this? In the moment of the first kiss, you're not thinking about how do I cultivate momentum? In the moment of the first kiss, you're going, whoa. This is where we are with the Father. This is the invitation, the invitation to romance, the invitation to affection, the invitation. This is the season of visitation. You know, we, we tell ourselves, we've been using this language that we're a people of encounter, and what the Lord's been showing me is that, Josh, it's not so much that you encounter me, it's that I come to you for encounter. And I'm going, whoa, that's a totally different way of thinking of it. The Father encounters me. I'm not a person of encounter. He's a being of encounter, and I get invited into that, and I get to respond, and it's not about me. It's about him. I get invited into the love, to love the Lord your God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I'm not told to do it. I'm invited into it, and now I participate, and I become one with him. It's by invitation. So I don't encounter him. He comes and visits me. We're not a people of encounter because we've styled our lives around, this, around a system of encounter. We're a people of encounter because we've been marked by him encountering us. It's a different way of thinking about ourselves. You know, that shifts the focus off of me and puts it onto him. Oh, I just feel like I have so much to share with you guys. There's just not enough time because we're already like over time. And to like honor our pastor or something. 
You know, we, we, we build these systems based on fear that says something like, well, if you haven't shared the gospel with enough people, then somehow you're a failure. So rather than an invitation to share how God has marked you with his love, it's a system of oppression to say if you don't do it enough, you're actually not living up to the ideal. And so we, again, fear has permeated our culture. Or, you know, if you don't come to this meeting, you're not going to experience your next big breakthrough. How many of you ever had that foisted upon you? Like, you, know, you understand how subtle the difference is before, behind saying, let's just take the example of a small example of a meeting that we're going to have. It's like, in this meeting, we're going, like, I don't do, like, we don't do this because it's not as effective, all right? We don't go, in this meeting, we're hoping to encounter the Father. We go, in this meeting, if you don't come, you're going to miss an encounter with the Father, right? And one of them, so one's more effective because fear provides us an adrenaline hit right in the moment. I'm going to miss it, so I better come. But then everybody that comes are all the most afraid people. (laughs) We don't want, we don't, we're not comfortable with the selling point being his love. We're more comfortable with the selling point being how much you're going to miss, I was like, what in the world are we doing? We're supposed, like, I can understand Air Canada doing it, but we're supposed to be different. <laughs> we're supposed to be marked by his tenderness and his love and his affection, this grand invitation to romance, where in the first verse of Song of Solomon 1, 1 says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, like that's romance. We're supposed to be marked by that, and we're like, we just look like them. Like, Father, just help us to see your grand invitation. I'm just going to share this one thing. I'll just take a minute, okay? Oh, they, they already told the kids to go. This will just take a second. (laughs) John 21. Verse 1. And after these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples. Right? Not that they encountered him, but he encountered them. At the Sea of Tiberias, and he manifested himself in this way. Verse 2, they were together, Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we will come with you also. They went out and got into the boat and that night they caught nothing. So they've just gone through a calamitous experience, right? The death of Christ. He'd left. They didn't know what to do. So they'd just gone through a very difficult circumstance. Peter is still holding on to this, I've denied him three times. But he hasn't yet had this interaction with Jesus. He's about to, but that's not what I'm going to get to. My point is they lost sight of something, and so what did they do? They went back to what they were good at. This used to work for us. They lost sight of what had just been revealed to them, the beautiful tenderness of the heart of God had just been revealed to them. They lost sight of it and said, let's go back to the old way of doing things because it worked for us. This is, but here's the thing, in the season we're entering into, in the, area we're, the era we're entering into, the old ways won't work anymore. 
It used to work where we could throw that, we could throw that net over, but it's not working anymore. That's the temptation is to go back and say, well, this used to work, so we're going to do it again. It won't produce the same fruit. It won't. The old ways are going to leave you with catching nothing. But here's the temptation in catching nothing, by the way. It's being proud of yourself for having done something. Well, at least we threw the net over. No, at least we hosted the meetings. Or at least we invited the people. Or at least we did it. Right? Then, then you take pride in the actual work and not in the union. Because you're more important than the work. You're far more important than the work. The worker is more important than the work. Well, at least we did something. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood in the beach at the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Again, they'd lost sight of him. They lost sight of him and they returned to something they used to know how to do. Jesus said, children, you don't have any fish, do you? And they answered him, no. They didn't even recognize his voice. And think about this. Okay, he's on the shore, they're on the ship. This means he's going this, children! Not children. Children! He's yelling. And they're still not getting it. Throw your net on the other side of the boat. You know, this, what the, you know what the thing is about that? Jesus met them in the very thing they did because they lost sight of him. And they still didn't even recognize him even when it produced great fruit. It wasn't until John said, that's the Lord that Peter recognizes. It's, we can get so caught up with the importance of the systems, with the importance of how we've done things, with the importance of how it's supposed to work, and that even when it's fruitful and touched and blessed by him, we can lose sight of him. We need the people in our midst to go, he's over there. He's not, look at this, he's not in the work. He's on the shore. He's waiting for you to get out of the boat. He's not in the thing you're doing, but he still blesses it. Because this is what we do. The, the book of, in the book of Acts, it says, they, they say um, frequently, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. But what we do is, well, it seems good to us. Now, Holy Spirit, will you bless us? Because we direct our gaze here, not there. But the invitation is to put your gaze there. And we've gotten away from that. Just as a body of Christ. I'm not saying just here. I'm saying broadly we've gotten away from that. And the, and the call back is the invitation to redirect our gaze. And it's not the, oh no, we've missed it. It's the, oh, we get it. He's so beautiful and lovely. And he's pulling us back to that place. And he's drawing us and he's visiting us with affection and with love and with tenderness. Like what happened here. And the invitation isn't, if you don't come forward, you're gonna miss it. The invitation is, he's so beautiful. Let's just respond to him. That's the invitation of the season. Expect him to visit you. And when, he, and when you have a morning where it's like, oh, I don't know if he visited me, believe that he's going to later because the invitation is there. He's, he's ready to do away with our systems of fear because that's not supposed to exist here. 
And it's okay if it exists there, but not here. We need to relearn a whole different way. Because love is what's visiting us. Affection is what's visiting us. You know, we might we don't need to align over the same values. I hope we don't. My goodness, I hope we don't. I hope that we're this motley display. A myriad of interests and passions and loves and pursuits. And well, you gotta think like I do. No, 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 no. You don't have to think like I do, but I have affection over you. Let's run with him because he's drawing us and he's wooing us. It's a season of visitation. Maybe the worship band can come up just as we're, let's wrap this up. I heard the Lord say to me the other day, just as I was in, in a moment with him, he said, Josh, what starts as a drop will become a flood, and my people will be a people known by the Father's love. What starts as a drop will become a flood. You know, I mean, I wasn't hurt here for Fiona, but it started with a drop. It quickly became a flood. Sometimes it takes a little longer. We've had lots of storms. We've had lots of drops. But I believe the invitation of the Father and the promise of the Father in this season is if, if we have a drop, it's going to increase. What starts as a drop will become a flood. And we're going to be marked by his love. It's not even a you have to be, you need to be. Let's get rid of that kind of language. You get to be. He's inviting us. He's marking us. What starts as a drop will become a flood. And you will be marked by the Father's love. 